Welcome to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. If you can please turn with me for our text found in 1 John chapter 2, picking up in verse 24. The title of our message is Abide or Be Deceived. I'm told that the way they catch monkeys in the Philippines is they take coconuts and they drill a large hole inside of a coconut and they put rice inside of it. And when a monkey finds the coconut and sees the rice, the monkey will put its hand inside of there to grab the rice and the monkey will take a fistful of rice. But the problem is once he clenches his fist, he can't get his fist out of the the coconut. So when he tries to climb up a tree, he makes a banging noise. When he's trying to get up the tree and it bangs and bangs, and I'm told that they're easy to catch that way. So it's a loud noise, and the, those that hunt the monkeys, they find them right away, and they, they are able to catch this, these monkeys in that way. And we might think, oh, you know, dumb little monkey, just let go of the rice, right? But how often are we holding on to worthless things? How often are we holding on to things that are not of God, things that maybe even are good, but they're not necessarily what God has for us? And the reality is God would have us to let go of that worthless thing, whatever that is, and to take hold of him and to abide in him and to hold on to all that he has for us. And I believe too often we can hold on to something that has nothing to do with God and we can miss out on all that God has for us. We're to abide in him. And as we abide in him, we don't miss out on anything. As we abide in him, we're not so deceived because we know the truth. So we're called as believers. We're called to abide in our heavenly father. So with that as an introduction to this text, I'm going to ask that we stand again. And I'm going to put up on the board as you stand. I just want to put up. The reason why I stand is we read the word of God. In Nehemiah chapter 9, it says, And they stood up in their places and read from the book of the law the law of the Lord their God. So they stood as the the scripture was being read. And then in 8, Nehemiah 8.5, it says, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. Look at this. For he was standing above all the people. And what does it say? And when he opened it, the, the, the book of the law, the Bible, all the people stood up. So we do this for a reason. So I know I look, I could tell. When you're up here, you can see everything. So I know when I, people are looking at me like, are you, when I say stand again, people look at me like, stand again, pastor, we just sat down. <laughs> I just got comfortable. Well, in reverence for the word of God, according to Nehemiah, when the word of God was being read, in reverence of the, the wonderful word, they stand up because God, is it up there? Can you guys see it? Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> she was pointing for her husband and say, look, see, I told you. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> So that's why we do that. So it's not a a, a religious thing. It's not a traditional thing. It's a godly thing. It's a biblical thing. So we stand as we read God's wonderful word. So that's why we do it. So 1 John chapter 2, verse 24, our text. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you, but the anointing which you have from him abides in you. And do not, you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. And now little children abide in him. And when he appears, 
we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Lord, we just don't want to miss out on what you're saying to us, Lord, through your word. Lord, we ask that you would remove distractions from our thoughts. And Lord, may we realize just how powerful this word is that is before us. And we know it's alive, so may it be alive to every one of us that are here today. Please speak to our hearts, Lord. Prepare our hearts that we might hear from you again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Abide or be deceived. The Apostle John is addressing the young believers, the baby believers. He calls them little children, as we looked at last week in verse 18. And he's warning the young believers. He's warning them of false teachers. He's warning them of being deceived. He's warning them regarding Jesus, that they would not misunderstand the real Jesus. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is deity. He's Emmanuel. He's God in the flesh. And during that time, there was a heresy that, that went around uh, called Gnosticism. And, and the Gnostics, they, they, the word even kind of means to know. And the Gnostics were those that thought they were in the know, like they knew spiritual things like nobody else knew. And they, they believed that they understood like mystical knowledge and they understood, you know, things regarding spiritual things. And they understood, you know, they had like new enlightenment and they had new understanding. And so they were coming against the teachings of the Bible, the teachings of the apostles, it was an interesting belief, the Gnostics. I was looking this up, and they believed that God was good. They believed that he was perfect, but they believed that you weren't able to have a, a personal relationship with him. You, you weren't able to know him personally, so that was a misunderstanding that they had. They believed that the creator was a lesser deity. It wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't God. He was a lesser deity, and they, they believed that he created a world. He wanted to create a perfect world, a, a euphoric type of utopia, but he messed up is what they believed. And that he messed up in such a way that there was pain and misery and suffering. And, and so they believed that because of this uh, second-class deity that created the earth and he messed up, this is just their weird belief that Human beings, because of that, they had an imperfect body and their body was evil. But they, he also believed that, that uh, this creator created man with the spirit of God, the true spirit of God. This is their weird belief, okay? This isn't true. I'm just telling you what they believed. But then, so what they did is they, they believed that, well, man is inherently good because he has the spirit of God, but he has an evil body. So in other words, if he does bad things and he sins and he does wrong, it's not really his fault, it's the evil, that, that body that, that he has. And because of the mess up of this second creator, so it's a weird, and this is the teaching. Talk about the ultimate blame shift, right? You're, it's not your fault if you sin. You have an evil body. And they believe that Jesus did not have a physical body because they thought all matter and all physical things were evil. So Jesus was just spirit. He didn't have a real body. So it was just a messed up teaching. So this is addressing some of that. And if you look back at the verse, the first verse we looked at here in verse 24, John says, therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. 
So he's saying, I believe he's saying the, the teachings of the apostles, my teachings, the teachings of the word of God, you know, it's not something new. Believe in what you heard from the beginning. Believe in the simple teaching of the word of God. And I say to that, yes and amen. The word of God that we have in front of us is such a powerful book. Do we all know that? There's no other book like this. And this book has been hammered at for many, many centuries. And, and it comes up strong every time. This book is true. And sometimes the people will have a new thing. And it, our sinful nature likes new things, don't we? And we have to be careful. When I was very young in the Lord, I, I was invited to a concert, a Christian concert. And it was put on by a local church. This is way back when I was back in Michigan. And so, you know, the, the music was, you know, good. It was praise, you know, it was worshipful. It was real good. And I was, when I talked to the people that were there, it was confusing. It was like, well, these guys say they're Christians, but something's weird. Something's different. And, and I found out shortly after talking with them, they went to a church called an apostolic church. And the apostolic church they went to believed that Jesus is, is, uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's Really, they're all Jesus. There's no real Father. There's no real Son. There's no Spirit. It's all Jesus. It's just one. It's Jesus, right? So as I was talking with them, I, I was saying, well, okay, when Jesus was on the cross then, and he said, into your hands I commit my Father, into your hands I commit my Spirit, who was he talking to? And they didn't know. And they said, well, hold on. Let me get you. Stay right here. And so they brought someone to me. And this is elder so-and-so. And, and they said, uh, ask the same question. And I said, okay, well, the same question. When Jesus was on the cross and he, you know, he was talking to the Father, he says, into your hands I commit my spirit. And was he a ventriloquist? Was he, was, I mean, what was he doing? I don't understand. If you believe it's Jesus talking to himself, was he talking to himself on the cross? And he says, wait, that's a good question. I don't know. Hold on. And he, he went and got someone else. And they're like, stay right here. And I said, okay, I'm staying right here. You know? So I'm not kidding. They brought about you know, two or three different people. And they're all like, wait, hold on a second. Finally, they brought the senior pastor. And this is like a big mega church. And they're, you know, they're all collectors. I, I don't know, thousands of people there. You know? So they bring him to me. And he says, okay, son, what was the question? And I, I asked him the question. While we're standing there, I kid you not, they got his chairs. And they put chairs underneath us, right? So now I'm sitting there, right? And I've got my Bible. And we're in a circle. Everybody's circling us now. I'm only like, I don't know, months old in the Lord. I haven't even read through the whole Bible. And, and so I, you know, I asked him this simple question, and he didn't make sense. He was like, well, you need to understand the Greek son. And then there's a, I says, no, let's go to the passage. And I says, well, he's talking to the Father. And then he quoted another scripture out of context. I said, well, wait, wait, let's go there. That's way out of context. That's not what that means. And I bring him there, and, I, and the people are all just watching like this. And then we went to another scripture, and we went to another scripture, and we were looking at what the scriptures meant, and he kept taking verses out of context. It was very confusing. And I would have to say, I walked away from there, and just like, this is confusing. And all these sheep, they were gathered around. I remember just sitting there watching these sheep, and I'm thinking, these guys are all clueless. They're like, they're, they're following a, a, a shepherd, supposedly, that, that's teaching the Bible way out of context. And it's way, it doesn't, you know, he, he's not making sense, and it's confusing. That's why none of them can answer the question, because it's confusing when you take Scripture out of context. John is saying, stick with the simple teaching of the Word of God. Don't believe the Gnostics. Don't believe the deception. And today I believe we have much deception going on, don't we? Many churches, they don't want to talk about sin. Many churches, they don't want to talk about hell. Many churches believe it's okay to have a priest or a minister that's a homosexual. And that they believe that's okay and, that, and that's the new way of thinking and all these things. But it comes against the word of God. So today, John would be saying to you, little children, you young ones, 
You stick with what you've heard from the beginning. If you've heard the simple teaching of the word of God, you stay with the simple teaching of the word of God. Don't try to find some new truth. Beware of this so-called new truth stuff or this new belief and this new understanding. And this is, you know, you hear people, oh yeah, I learned a whole new thing and it's really set me free and I'm just more free than I've ever been before. And then what you see, what you see is you start seeing them drift. And I see this all the time. They start drifting away. And this new truth has done something for them. And then you think, then it's all of a sudden, well, you know, we're, we're not really doing the simple teaching of the word of God. We're doing more of this now. Well, we're not doing the simple teaching of the word of God. We're going to do, we're going to lean more this way. And we're going to lean more this way. And, and before you know it, they're just totally deceived because they don't have the anchor of the word of God. Ecclesiastes 1.9 says, there's nothing new under the sun. Someone once said, if it's new, it's not true. And if it's true, it's not new. Paul writing to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, how many think we're living in the latter times? Look around. Keep your hands up if you can. How many believe? Look around. Okay, so this is for us. Now the Spirit expressly says in the latter times, in the last days, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines or teachings of demons. So in these last days, the, the people are going to depart from the faith. They're going to depart from, the, from God. They're going to you know, be deceived with these deceiving spirits. And that means there's spiritual entities of, of evil that are trying to deceive the body of Christ. Did you notice doctrines of demons? Teachings of demons. That's pretty scary. Does that mean when they go to church that there's a demon standing up there teaching? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Would it be nice if it was that simple? You know? It's like he's got a horn sticking up. He's got a, he's got a pitchfork and he's teaching. It's like, whoa, that's doctrines of demons. <laughs> I read about that. No matter of fact, they're very charismatic. As Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, for such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. Listen, and no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. We might think, wow, they're so charismatic. Wow, they're just such good communicators. Wow, they're just, it's unbelievable. You just see so much light in them. Well, if they're not teaching the truth of the word of God, that's a false light. For Satan, listen to this, Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. And listen to what it says in the next verse. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers, those that are ministering for him, also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, acting as if they're righteous whose end will be according to their works. That's scary stuff. As a, I have to say, as a pastor, this isn't my favorite topic. But if being a minister and a shepherd of a flock, shame on me if I don't teach it. If I don't teach through the word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, looking at what God says, not my opinion, but what God says. Another great verse that goes with this, Paul the Apostle, writing to the church in Corinth. He says, I'll go to verse 3, uh, chapter 11, verse 3. But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity, listen, that is in Christ. The simplicity that's in Christ, don't be deceived. Or it says, for, he, for if he who comes preaching another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well be, excuse me, you may well put up with it. In other words, you're going to endure it. You're going to think it's okay if you leave the simplicity of Christ. It's a great warning. Look at the next verse, though, in our text. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. 
Then he says, listen to this. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. So they're trying to deceive you. And they try to deceive you regarding eternal life. I believe that deception is still going on today. People trying to deceive you regarding eternal life, regarding heaven and hell. Many times I'll ask people, do you know if you die, if you're going to go to heaven? You know what they usually say? No, I say, yeah, I hope so. Usually say, I hope so. I, I think so. And then they say, typically the people, if you talk to them a little longer, how can anybody really know? And I'll say, I know I'm going to heaven. And they'll say, how can you really know if you're going to heaven? Well, he promised us eternal life. He promised you eternal life. We can know that we're going to heaven. God has promised us eternal life. Eternal life, this is speaking of eternal life in heaven. All of us, regardless if you're a believer or not, you're going to live forever. Some are going to live forever. Some are going to go to a place called heaven where there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more death. How many are going to go there? <laughs> yes. And why are we going to go there? You can't lift your, your spouse's hand up, okay? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just joking with you guys. <laughs> because of the promise, but because of Jesus. We have eternal life because of Jesus Christ. He took our sin, he took our penalty, but we must receive him, we must repent of our sin, we must receive him as our Lord and Savior, right? But we have the promise of eternal life. Many people, I'm telling you, I'm out in the street. I talk to people all the time about heaven and eternal life. And I'm telling you, they tell you, well, you can't. Typically, if you really talk with them, they say, you can't really know. Can you, how do you really know until you get there? And I'll say, well, I've got a promise. And I have Jesus Christ by his Holy Spirit living in, in me. I have Christ in me, the hope of glory. I have hope beyond the grave because of what Jesus did for me at the cross. I've received him. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. We're his children. When we die, we go be with our Father. To be absent from our body is to be present with the Lord. There's many that believe in this soul sleep. That, that's, that frightens me. I don't know. I like sleeping, though. I mean, that part doesn't frighten me. But it's like you go in a grave and you just kind of soul sleep. And then at the resurrection, then you wake up and all that. No, no, it's not soul sleep. We're absent from my body. Paul the Apostle says, I'm betwixt between the two, either to be here and minister to you or to be with the Lord. I'm betwixt. I want to be with my God. I want to be with him, but I'm kind of betwixt between the two. I really want you to be there. It's beneficial if I stay that I can preach to you and minister to you and share with you the truths of God. If he was going to soul sleep, then he would say, well, you know what? I better just stay with you because I don't want to go to sleep for a while until the resurrection. We have a promise of eternal life. Another great verse that goes with this. If that didn't make it clear, 1 John 5.12 tells us, he who has the Son has life, talking about eternal life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Who's the Son of God? Jesus. Do you have Jesus then you have eternal life. If you don't have Jesus, what does it say? You don't have eternal life. Then he says, these things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Listen, that you may know that you have, can we say that together? Eternal life. Eternal life. That we may know that we have eternal life. For me, it's like a switch went off. When I accepted Christ as my Savior, it's like, Shh, I'm going to heaven. I know I have eternal life. I know that I'm going to heaven because I've got Christ in me, the hope of glory. And then what does it say? I just want to finish reading this. That, so, that you may know you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. We have eternal life through Jesus Christ. 
So he's, he's saying the deception that's there, that you don't know if you have eternal life, that deception is a lie. We have a promise of eternal life. And we can share that truth with others. And hopefully you're taking note and you're, you're, able, to, you're able to bring people to these scriptures and say, yeah, you can have eternal life. It's through Jesus. But then he goes on to say, and now little children. So he's, again, talking to those that are young in the faith. He says, abide in him. And when he appears... You may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Abide in him. Stay with him. Stay close with him. The word abide means to continue, to remain, to dwell, to stay, not to depart, not to leave. Stay with Jesus. Why? Well, he tells us. When he appears, you may be confident and not ashamed when he comes. The word confident, if you're a note-taker, means free and fearless confidence, cheerful courage. The word ashamed means to shrink from him. Wouldn't it be terrible if you were gossiping and talking behind someone's back and then the rapture of the church took place? You're saying, I can't believe what she did and she's just this and she did that. And you know what she said? And Jesus, oh, and then you're like, you shrink, it is coming. You're like, or if you're on a bad website and you're looking at a terrible website and you're looking at it like this and then all of a sudden the rapture, shh, there's Jesus in front of you. You're like, Lord, you shrink, it is coming. No, he says, be confident. You want to be in that place where you're confident it is coming. You, you have that, that courage, that cheerfulness. It's like, yes, Lord, thank you for your return. Thank you for, for, for rapturing me. Thank you for dying for me. I want to be confident at his coming. If we know that he can come at any time, that helps to keep us in that place, doesn't it? I have uh, my cordless mic that I wear, and sometimes I forget to turn it off. <laughs> and Ben is so good because he shuts me off in the house, but they cannot shut me off for the worship team. So when I go in the back, today, we're in the back, I just start talking, hey, blah, 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 I'm talking, I'm like, oh, I forgot to turn this off. Wouldn't that be terrible if I'm like going out there you know, talking bad about people? <laughs> I can't believe this congregation. Whatever. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> that guy in the last row or in the front row or in the middle or whatever, you know. I don't want to say which row because there is no row, okay? Please. I'm not talking about you. <laughs> Wouldn't that be embarrassing? You know, just the whole team's like praising God. Like, Whoa, Joe's losing it. <laughs> The real Joe in my ear, right here. <laughs> but do you believe God hears everything? And we think just because we be behind a closed door or we're, we're, the person's not in front of us as we're talking about him or whatever's happening, you, you know, he's with us always. And if we, if we live and abide in him, we realize he's right here and I'm abiding in him. As soon as the rapture happens, we're going to be in his presence with confidence and saying, Lord, thank you for this rapture. Thank you for this new life that you gave me. Thank you for eternal life, and I'm going to be with you always, never to depart from you. Do you know that when the rapture comes, it says that we'll forever be with him, we'll never be separated ever again? But do you know you can have the same assurance here on earth because he never leaves us, he never forsakes us, he's with us always, even to the ends of the age, he's always with us. We would like to invite you here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor to our Christmas performances of A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. We have six performances, the first one on December 11th, December 12th, December 14th, December 15th, December 17th, all beginning at 7 p.m. 
This year, we have added another performance in matinee at 3 p.m. on Sunday, December 17th. Please join us as we begin the holiday season with the beloved tale, the ghostly tale of Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol. And God bless us, every one. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.